Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com and there you'll find all the best parts available for your car or truck. And when it is done and they ask, how did you hear about us? Write Locked On Podcast so they know that we sent you. up everybody welcome into locked on tigers i am your host chris castellani it is tuesday april 6th 2021 thank you for tuning in today and choosing locked on tigers for your listening pleasure got a game to recap and it was easily the ugliest game of the season so far the tigers got molly whopped by the minnesota twins by a final score of 15 to 6 Yesterday, we have had too many games like this over the last several seasons, and I think this this baseball team, I know they won't be good, obviously, and I've I've talked about it from the beginning that they had a bad off season and they didn't sign very many great players, and I think this team is going to be kind of in line with the teams that we've seen since 2017, sadly, but I do believe that they they have the ability, given the the ceiling of their rotation and some of their pitching to be competitive. Uh, yesterday they were not. They were down fifteen to one. They got five in the last inning of work. I'll talk about the where those runs came from here in just a minute. But this game, look, you give up fifteen runs, you start with the pitching. Jose Urania made his first start as a Detroit Tiger, and maybe it is recency bias. I'm not going to act like it isn't, but I've tried to think back to what some of the worst Tigers debuts were since I started making the the videos on Twitter back in 2017, and I don't know if I can think of one worse than what we saw at Jose Urania. Like, yes, you could say uh, Tarek Skubal, his first outing was really bad, but at least that was his major league debut. Like, the expectation is that he's probably going to struggle a little bit. Jose Urania, I can't call him an established pitcher because he hasn't established much, but he is a pitcher. He's been a major league pitcher for a while now, and for that to be his first game, his first outing as a Tiger, that was truly pitiful. That was a really, really just a trash heap of a performance, and I'm going to be tough on him today because I I don't expect much out of him, but I expected more than that, And, and the issues that plagued him, sadly, are issues that have plagued him really his whole career, and Chris Fetter honed in on him in the offseason and said that he believes that Urania could be a guy that they could fix. Now, I also think that Illich and or Avila came to Chris Fetter and said, here's a list of five or, you know, five to ten pitchers that we may sign during the offseason. Which one do you think has the highest upside? And it was, you know, a bunch of fifth starters, a bunch of guys with career five ERAs, and Fetter went, uh, I don't know, uh, Urania, I guess, geez. I don't think, I don't think he was like, well, I want Bauer, we could get him. I think 
think they gave him options, and he, he went with Urania probably by default. But I, I did understand that, though. I did, because I've seen Jose Urania pitch before. I did watch a little bit of Marlins baseball throughout the years, and it was obvious there was some untapped potential there. But maybe not now, because early in his career, he had a that two-seam fastball that he likes to throw. It was peaking in the upper 90s. Like it, it seemed like a pitch that he was trying to get ground balls with, trying to get weak contact with, when it could have been a swing and miss pitch for him. And that was kind of my goal, or my hope, was that Chris Fetter would take him and say, hey, that two-seamer that you're throwing... How about you try to get more swings and misses out of it? How about you try to miss more bats? Because that's really been the issue with Urania throughout his career. It hasn't been stuff. It's been consistency, and it's been inability to get swings and misses and ability to miss bats. And that was apparent yesterday, but what was, what was even more apparent was that he wasn't throwing strikes. I mean, this was a, a really brutal outing from a command standpoint and from, from an efficiency standpoint. We're talking about a guy who threw 81 pitches, 39 of them were for strikes. So over 50% of the pitches that he threw were for balls, and he, he ended up getting crushed. You can't do that against a good Twins offense. And what I said in my post game, and I'll, I'll reiterate it here, what made it so frustrating was that it wasn't like he was nibbling. Like Tehran's first outing, he was nibbling a bit. Did walk three, but went five innings gave up one earned run, and he was, he when it mattered most, he was hitting the corners when he needed to. That was not the case with Urania. He was getting behind 3-0, 2-0, 3-1, almost every single at-bat, and you cannot do that against an offense that is as good as the Minnesota Twins is, or else you're going to get popped, and that's what happened yesterday. A brutal outing for Urania. Now, I brought up Chris Fetter and how excited he was about the possibility of Maybe he was excited. Like I said, maybe they just picked him by default, but how potentially excited that he was about the idea of Jose Urania uh, being on this team this year. But Chris Fetter is not here right now. Chris Fetter tested positive for COVID and is going to be out for a few more days. So I can't, and I'm not going to blame Fetter for any of how any of these guys pitch, but you can't say that. Chris Fetter was wrong necessarily for believing in Urania. He was not the pitching coach yesterday, but it didn't matter because I'll tell you what, every pitching coach, your number one rule, throw strikes. If you're not doing that, then take a walk. There's nothing you can do if the guy's getting behind 3-0 to every single batter. I mean, there was... They said there were 8,000 at Comerica yesterday. I don't I don't know if I believe that. They, that is technically a sellout given the, the limited capacity thanks to the uh, COVID restrictions. But you, you were getting the Bronx cheer. I mean, when he was getting behind 3-0 and then firing a strike in there, you, you heard the crowd start to applaud and stand up and clap. I mean, you, they were getting frustrated by it. And, and I can't blame you. Uh, I, I can't blame him at all. They He's got to be better or else all he'll end up being is just a band-aid for time for when Matt Manning gets called up here because that was a that was a really discouraging outing by him and he wasn't very good in the spring he wasn't good last year with the Marlins I was never a fan of the signing like I I reacted to it the way I've reacted to the Tyson Ross signing and the Matt Moore signing and Francisco Liriano it's with a general shoulder shrug and oh okay my my problem, and here we go, we're in game four, and I'm already complaining about this, but whatever, I'll do it till the cows come home. There were much better pitchers out there than Jose Urania for the, close to the same amount of money, and they went with this guy, and the, the, the evidence has been there for several seasons that he, his stuff has fallen off. It's not like Tehran, and I wasn't huge about the Tehran signing either, but at least with Tehran, you could say last year, limited sample size, had a bad year in LA, but that's one year where the fastball velocity was below 90. Like, maybe you get him back, maybe he finds something. And so far, one start and spring training, it seems like Julio Tehran has. I'm still very skeptical about him long term, but so far, so good. I can't knock him yet for that signing, but 
it's been apparent when you look at Jose Urania's, the, the velocity on that two-seam fastball, that his stuff's fallen off over the last several years. And this is not a guy who's even got a very high ceiling. He's got a career 460 ERA. Like, with Tehran, at least you could say, hey, you know what? The guy had some great years in Atlanta. Because he did. He had two all-star seasons when he was with the Braves. He, he was the ace of that staff. And it was during some of their rough years, but he was a darn good pitcher for them for a while. At least you could look at that and say, hey, maybe he could regain the form that he had during some of his prime years in Atlanta. That's possible. Doubtful, but possible. With Urania, his ceiling isn't high. If he gets back what he lost, he's still going to be a below-average pitcher. And I, I hate to rip into the guy this much about one outing, but this team will not win games 11 to 9. This team will not win games 10 to 8. The only way that they're going to win ball games in 2021 is by pitching well. And as a fan, there's nothing more demoralizing than watching a game that's 6 nothing in the second inning and being like, "All right, this thing's done." Like I said, we've watched way too many of those over the last several years. Way too many during this rebuild. And that was another one yesterday. A very ugly start to the <laughs> this is a weird way to put it, but the Jose Urania era here in Detroit. So that'll do it for segment number one. When I come back at segment number two, I'm going to talk about the rest of the game, what went down. There were a few good things offensively. Uh, the offense came alive there in the ninth inning. We're going to talk about that when we get back. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back for segment number two. Segment one was just me ripping on Urania. And I mean, like, I don't have any personal beef against the guy, and my issues with him more lie in the fact that he's here. Like I, it just lies with the fact that it's an uninspiring signing. The guy had shown several signs of decline since 2018. I think that was like his really only good year was 2018, and even then he was kind of subpar. He's fallen off. He's he's not a very good pitcher, and it's very demoralizing when a team that is trying to have their identity be defined by starting pitching has a player who goes out there and gives up six runs over three innings. It was a sloppy game. Tigers did come alive weirdly. In the ninth inning, they scored five runs. Victor Reyes hit a solo home run. And then Akil Badu, he went two for four yesterday, including a grand slam. Both of his home runs have been to the opposite field. Very impressive pop. 
he was responsible for four of the Tigers' six runs yesterday with that grand slam in the ninth inning. Matt Shoemaker pitched for the Minnesota Twins, Michigan native, and the Tigers couldn't do anything against him. I mean, had a no-hitter going through, I think, four and a third or four and two-thirds innings. Wilson Ramos broke it up with a solo home run. His first as a Tiger, they went to Randy Dobnak, who ended up getting a save in this game. He went three innings, gave up five runs, all of them coming in the ninth inning, and of course that grand slam by Akil Badu. Hey, look, I, I'm going to be the last person on board this bandwagon. I'm going to be, and I'm going to be dragging my feet through the mud. I am skeptical about all Rule 5 picks. This is, though, and this is where I can't deny it, an awesome story so far. It's a neat story. It's an interesting story. And one thing that this team has not been very often over the last several years has been interesting. So I'm happy to see that there's there's something. Because this is not just something that Tigers fans are talking about. The national media is tweeting about this. Like, you're seeing major baseball accounts talk about this story. It is a cool story. It is like a, a storybook thing. This guy was in high A ball two years ago. The one reason I'm... I'm holding out hope, besides the fact that the dude just continues to hit, but the one reason I am a, a bit hopeful right now is because of the fact that I think some, not all, but some Rule 5 picks from this year's class are going to hit a little bit differently than Rule 5 picks from previous years because, as I stated a year ago, last year was the biggest mystery box in terms of minor leagues and minor league development. I mean, the Tigers' taxi squad played, what, 50-something games down there. We don't know how Spencer Torkelson hit. Like, maybe maybe how he hit in uh, uh, during summer camp is a reflection of, of how he hit in spring training this year. We don't know. Maybe he struggled. Maybe he, maybe he was awesome. With that year of development where we didn't see these guys, scouts weren't able to watch in Akil Badu a season ago, Maybe he found something within the last year during the COVID year that allowed him to just just take that next step. If they hit, and I, I'm I'm again I'm gonna be one of the last people here to get on board this train, but if they hit with a Badu, big if two home runs through two games, I'm not saying that's gonna become a trend, but if he turns out to be Let's say he turns out to be Shane Victorino-esque. Shane Victorino was a Rule 5 pick with the Phillies. Great player. Was a huge player for them. A key piece of their 2008 World Championship run for their first since 1980. If he's like in that level, it is far and away, far and away, the greatest accomplishment of the Alavila tenure. Like by far, better than any trade, better than any draft. Because, And this is the argument I've made and so many other people have made, and I think it's fair. I can't give Avila that much credit for the first-round draft picks. I can't give him that much credit for taking the best player available with four consecutive top-five draft picks. I don't think it's that difficult to do that. If you want to say Green at the, at the five spot where, where they picked him in 2019, sure, I don't agree with you, but whatever. The one draft pick that he's had that has been remarkably successful has been Tarek Skubal. That was a ninth-round pick who so far has has risen through the ranks and pitched some pretty good baseball on Sunday and, and was very good in spring training. Other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of diamonds in the rough. You could say Willie Castro so far, maybe, but the jury is very much still out. Willie Castro looks awful right now. I know he was the darling of spring training, but they got a batting third, and I don't... Does he have a hit yet? He's been... Let me check if he, to see if he got one yesterday, live radio here. Uh, no, he was 0 for 4 with a strikeout. He does have a hit so far. He's batting 125 with a 426 OPS through four games. But th- that's your number three hitter right now. And and again, they traded him for Leonis Martin. So I guess in a weird way, whatever you do get out of him is 
advantageous to you. It's a bit more than what the Indians got out of Martin, who was there for less than a full calendar year before they released him, I believe. But in regards to Badu, this is what I will say. Unlike Victor Reyes, and I don't hate Victor Reyes. I know he's very polarizing. People talk about him a lot. But unlike Victor Reyes, whose ceiling is very low, Akil Badu has the intangibles. He's got speed, great athleticism. He clearly has power. I mean, two opposite field home runs by a lefty at Comerica. That is very impressive. The intangibles are there to make you think that he could be something. I personally am chalking up his current success a lot more to Major League hitters' inability to figure him out so far. And that's not to take away from anything he's done. It's an awesome story, but I'm not jumping on board yet. It would be very cool. I'm rooting for him. And good for A.J. Hinch for putting him in the lineup. I I think that if you want to establish a young player's confidence, guy goes deep on Sunday. Hinch said, hey, man, you're playing your way onto the team. And if he continues to hit, then Victor Reyes or Jacoby Jones or Nomar Mazzara is going to be seeing a lot more bench time. I think the way they've used him so far has been admirable. If he continues to hit, yeah, put him in the lineup. It was like that, and again, different circumstances, and Akil Badu is not the caliber of hitter that this guy is, but you guys remember 2014 when they just took J.D. Martinez and took a flyer out on him, and it was like, all right, we'll start him once every three, four games. Okay, well, now he's starting every other game. Wow, he's really hitting. Maybe put him in the lineup every day, and he ended up becoming one of the best bleeping hitters in all of baseball, one of the best power hitters of his generation. He's great. Not saying that's going to happen with Badu, but if he keeps hitting, he's going to play his way into the everyday lineup, and it's something to it's something to pay attention to. Like I said, interesting, which is interest is not something that uh, has been prevalent throughout this organization over the last several seasons. So that will do it for segment number two. When I get back, I'm going to preview today's pitching matchup. Casey Mize on the mound for the Tigers. Going to talk about that in just a second. We'll be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, it's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back for segment number three, the final segment today. One other thing I forgot to bring up about yesterday's game. Wilson Ramos is a bad pitch framer, and he has been for a long time. You know, I defended that signing more than most people did because he's at least somewhat capable offensively unlike literally every catcher they've had since they've traded Alex Avila. He took a beating yesterday. It does seem like Grayson Griner is going to be catching most of Tarek Skubal's starts. It seems like he's going to be his personal catcher going forward, meaning that the, the most you can hope for out of Wilson Ramos is some solid offense, and he's he's so far been all right. Was two for four yesterday with a uh, with a solo home run, but yeah, he was taking a beating. I mean, he, it wasn't really his fault. Some of the pitch framing was, but Urania was missing the zone by a lot and just spiking sinkers in front of home plate. So yeah, he need, he probably needed an ice bath today, and I don't blame him. As for today's matchup for the Twinkies, you have lefty Jay Happ 
still in the league, going strong. This, of course, coming from MLB.com. There was some question as to whether Hap would be fully prepared for the start of the season due to a positive COVID-19 test at the start of camp, but he appears to be stretched out and ready to pitch. Hap had a 3.47 ERA for the Yankees last year. I'll tell you what, every other year since like 2010, I've said to myself, oh man, Jay Hap is toast. Jay Hap is done. Jay Hap doesn't have it, and he always finds it. He was really bad in 2019 with the Yankees, had a nice little bounce back last year. He is like, to me, the, the definitive, ultimate number four starter. You look at his numbers throughout his career, capable of giving you innings, has always had good stuff. I mean, nice two-seam fastball that moves into or moves away from righties, nice tight little slider. He's had some very good years, had an amazing year with the Blue Jays in 2016, was a 20-game winner for them, and I think he made his first all-star team in 2019, I'm sorry, 2018 with the Blue Jays as well. He's had a good career, but hopefully the Tigers can get to him, and he will be facing off against Casey Mize, the Tigers' top pitching prospect, had to fight for a spot while battling command issues in spring training, but he still struck out 21 batters over 14 innings. Mize faced the Twins three times last year, posting an 8.49 ERA with 11 strikeouts and 11 and two-thirds innings. I'll be real. I think this is a tough matchup for Casey Mize. I think this is going to be an uphill battle that he's going to be climbing today. For one, you saw the issues that Urania ran into when he had command issues. That Twins offense is too good for a pitcher to be able to get behind in counts and and be able to work his way back. There's too many good hitters, too many patient hitters in that lineup where if you get behind against them, you're really going to struggle, you're really going to get pounded. And while Urania isn't very good, he still is a veteran. Casey Mize is a youngster. And unless he comes out firing darts, which is possible, because we saw in that outing against the Blue Jays, his last outing of spring, he looked really, really good. He did give up two runs over four innings, but no walks and nine strikeouts. He's going to have to have that kind of command if he wants to be successful against the Twins today. It's going to be a very difficult matchup for him. I do believe in him, though. I, look, the stuff is there. It's like that with, with Scooball and, and, and all these other guys that are coming up through the system. Casey Mize has front of the front of the rotation major league stuff, and, and that has been something that we haven't seen a lot of, really, over the last several seasons. Like, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Ryan Carpenter didn't have major league stuff. Tyson Ross, in the limited action he pitched for Detroit a couple years ago, didn't have major league stuff. Casey Mize has it. It's going to be about repeating his delivery. It's going to be about his mechanics. And it's going to be about throwing strikes. If he's capable of doing that, this guy can be a a danger. I mean, like, he has that kind of ability to be able to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game. He obviously won't do that today, of course, because they're going to be watching his innings and the Twins' offense is really good, but he has that, the capability. He has 200 strikeout-a-year potential. I, I genuinely believe that. I, my belief in him has never changed since he was drafted by the Tigers, but I have been frustrated with the command issues that he's shown because those have been issues that have arisen rather randomly. Those were not problems that he had at Auburn. Those are not problems that he had in the minor leagues. It seems like he might be overthinking a little bit, but if he if he puts together the kind of performance that he, he had against the Blue Jays in one of his last starts in the spring, you know, it could be a pretty good outing for him. So we'll see. Hopefully he pitches well. Mize Day today, a 110 game at Comerica against the Twins. That will do it. For today's show, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014 while you're at it. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. That would be much appreciated. Oh, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Tigers. posting a lot more stuff there. Pretty fun, just tweeting stuff during the games, little observations. 
Thank you very much for tuning in today, everybody. I appreciate uh, you being patient with me. Enjoying doing these shows, as frustrating as a game like yesterday is. It's nice to have the season back in full swing. We're really rolling. I'll be right back here tomorrow recapping today's game with Casey Mize on the mound. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and go Tigers.